today I want to talk about God being with us. So our series that we're doing is um, really based around a couple of ideas. One is um, a generation is, is walking away um, from traditional understanding of God or church. And they're not, by and large, they're not hardcore atheists. They're what I call soft atheists. And I think the reasons are because they were presented a childhood version of God. I will call it a Sunday school version of God, which works for a long time in your life until at some point something happens in your life where that doesn't make sense anymore. And most of us have already raised our hands and said, yeah, that happened in my life too. I was told if I do X, Y, and Z that God would reply with this. And if I did this and this, that I wouldn't have trouble in my life. And I tried to follow all the rules, but God didn't keep His end of the bargain. Um, I still got sick. My aunt still died. My, uh, I, I lost a child. On and on we could go. And so that understanding of God then coupled with a lot of science, right? So uh, a Sunday school teacher told you X, but then you went to college and your science teacher told you why. And one, res- one response is just to stick your head in the sand and, and proclaim the Bible to be literal in every way. And another approach is just to leave and say, this is, this is for fools. And what I want to say is people have been given what I call a false choice. And you don't have to leave God in this box that you discovered God in. Um, there's a, if you know this, there's like a Baptist box. And you can go on a Baptist website and they'll tell you this is how God is. He's exactly like this. And they put little hard boundaries around. And then, you know, maybe something happened in college and you met a hot Presbyterian. <laughs> Anybody? Does, no, but this is, is this the story of our life, right? And you're like, whoa, man. And so you found yourself at the Presbyterian church. Please raise your hand because I know this is how life actually works, right? And against your grandmother's wishes, you, there you were, you know, dating one of those godless Presbyterians, right? And their box was a little different, right? Had a little appendage over here, you know what I mean? And uh, you found other well, Presbyterians were, you know, not quite your cup of tea, so you just, that was over. And the next thing you know, you found yourself nose to nose with a Catholic, and you said, I'm not doing that. You're coming to my... No, and then... But you meet people, and then you have co-workers, and, and, and the whole thing is, you start to realize, you know, no one has the exact box. That God must be bigger than our boxes. We've been talking about this. God is bigger. God is what? Better. God is bigger, and God is better. Better. Today I want to talk about where is that box? Or where does God live? Maybe I could start with the prayer that many of you learned growing up. Our Father who art in... So you'd say, Chris, I know the answer. Thanks for calling on me. God is in heaven. Put your hand up. Who learned this at Sunday school? God's in heaven. The trouble is, where the heck is that? Where is that? up? I mean, now what we're learning is how far up? I mean, didn't I read this week something like 
you know, to travel across our galaxy is like 10,000 light years. Our galaxy? One of millions of galaxies? Where is that place? Um, now, don't worry. I know one guy said Galileo made God homeless. I don't really think that's true. But I do think this. Maybe we got to rethink where that box is located. I've said this before, and so if you're an Orchard Grove, you know, bestie, you've already heard me teach on this, but I just have to say it because for years and years and eons of time, we've said, Our Father who art in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, our Father who art in heaven. And no one even told you the real translation is, Our Father in the what? Heavens. Do you see the D, N, or L? What's the L? Literal. Disciples, literal New Testament. Somebody took the words and translated them word for word. Who knew? It was actually a plural. Our Father who's in the heavens. Now where do you put that? Well, Dallas Willard did a lot of work on this, but what, what it essentially means is God is what? in the atmosphere around us. God is here. And not just here because we're in church, but when you're driving home, God is here. As Paul went on to teach us um, in Acts 17, in Him we live and move and have our being. Is this right? Is what Paul taught? Now, there was an argument about where the box was located. Jesus um, stepped into it one time when He was talking to a woman in John chapter 4. And uh, and she just drew Jesus in because she said, well, if you're a prophet, you know, you know so much. Let's talk about where God lives. Because our people believe God is worshipped on this mountain. That was a Samaritan. That is, people like to put God on mountaintops. And you Jewish people say God is at the mountain in Jerusalem. And these mountains are not that far away. But they were rivaling mountains. We, we think God is here, and you think God is there. To which Jesus replies, neither. God isn't on this mountain. God is not on that mountain. God is, get this, sheer being itself. Now, here's Paul and Jesus talking a little bit, you would say, esoterical, wouldn't you? Like, that doesn't feel very boxy. How do you put that on a website? We believe God does this and God does this and God does not. God is spirit, sheer being itself. All of a sudden, there's no room in the box. That's in John chapter 4. If you were in John chapter 3, you'd hear Jesus talking about God being like wind. So today we're going to talk about God being with us with us. Um, not remote, not far away, which is truthfully how most of us conceive of God, especially as we grew up. It's like He's just kind of up and far away. And this will be the hardest, maybe, of all the, the concepts, and maybe next week, maybe this week and next week, this will be the hardest of concepts to sink in. Many of you will nod when I say this because you've heard those quotes before from the Scriptures. You'll nod and go, yeah, yeah, God is Spirit. Or Paul, in Him we live and move and have our being. But what we are missing sometimes is that that means God is not remote. God isn't far away, but God is 
close. He's actually with us. So we're getting to that stage now where Charlie's getting a little clingy. You know what I mean? Remember these stages? And now she used to just go to anybody all the time. And now she's sizing you up a little bit. And what she's sizing up is, are you going to take me away from my mom or my dad? Because now we've introduced babysitting. And, you know, and so this week um, uh, I was getting ready to leave the house. And the babysitter comes in the door and Charlie just started crying. Just saw her and started crying. And I'm like, it's nothing personal, right? And we get, we get her, I get her over there and I, I, I do the handoff. Are you ready? Like the handoff. And she goes, like this. He does this little thing. And she said, she's, no, I'm going bye-bye, but please, she's crying. Now, who's ever been here? Like this is the worst feeling on the, is this, is this the, this is the worst. This is the worst. And the babysitters always have to calm me down. They're like, she'll be okay. You can go to work. And they all do the same thing for me because they see it's really tearing me apart. And so finally, I escort myself away. And the whole way I'm driving, what am I thinking? I'm such a bad dad. I'm a horrible human being. And I really need to be with her. With. With and separate. With and separate. Together or apart. Unfortunately, many of us have been taught over and over and over and over again that we are separate from God. That God's a long way away. Do you know exactly what Paul said in in Athens? He goes... God isn't far from you. Or I think the message paraphrases, God's not remote. He's near. God comes close to us. And this is what's so important, that everywhere you are, you're in God's presence. Now listen very carefully to what I'm going to teach you right here. Everywhere you are, you are in God's presence. Now, We have all these things that we do in church, and I'm not faulting anyone. I've probably said them myself, okay? I'm not faulting anyone, but we say kind of crazy things. Like, God, we invite you here. (laughs) Could you imagine? Imagine walking into your own house and someone says, welcome, please. I want you to feel at home. (laughs) Do you you see the absurdity of some of the things that we say? Am I getting close? No, God, we welcome you here. He's like, oh, thanks a ton. This is good. I, I, we want to welcome you to the presence of God. Because the, real, the reality is, there's nowhere you can go. Psalm 139, where could I flee from your presence? So God is everywhere. So God is always, always, always with you. Always. If there's one thing we should understand, is that God is constantly and always with you. Our Father who's in the heavens. What a game changer that is. By the way, um, you know, I do a lot of like weddings and funerals, and I, and I learned over the years, you can't teach these kind of things at a funeral. If you pray the, the Lord's Prayer, you just pray it the old way. Is anybody with me? 
because there are traditional things that people hold on to them and, and, and we need stability, we need tradition. But in a moment like this, could I just teach you that what if you made the switch in your mind that you didn't think of God as so far off and so far away, but if you thought of God as close? Um, something happened this week. I was, um, was at home, you know, with the family. We're all there. I was taking care of Charlie. And I stepped out for just a few minutes. And look what happened. I mean, I, I want to show you a little. I mean, I just, I mean, I leave the house for five minutes. Now, Vicky might have a different side to that story. But anyway, um, when, when the kids do things like this, we go, that is what? Cute. This is cute. And then we take pictures. And we laugh and we send them to all the relatives, right? Because look how cute this is. Now, if you're 24 and you're dating a guy and he leaves the bathroom like that, run. Are you with me? That's not cute anymore. Who's with me so far? Like, when you become an adult, that's not cute. Please tell me you left him. Uh, it's childish. It's cute when you're little. Paul, Paul said this way. He goes, when, you know, when I was a child, I talked like a child. And that's cute. Baby talk is cute. What words does she say? Mama, dada, ba. When I was a child, I thought like a child. They say crazy things. They reason in crazy ways. But, he goes, when I became a man, I put those things, what? Very simply, let me oversimplify this. The God in a box, the God in some far away, the God on a throne, all that, they're all childish and childlike understandings. And they work for a while. Like a lot of things work for a while when you're a child. But then you start to learn more. And you need an adult version of God an adult version. The things that Paul taught, the things that Jesus taught, they were adult versions of God. And so if a person's here and they're, I'm just leaving, that, that whole idea of faith and God, that's just, ch no, it's that version of God. But what we need to do is we need to study more and teach more and introduce people more, right, to the God who is with us. Do you remember um, before I've taught you what happened in um, 70 A.D.? Does anybody remember? The Romans come in and they destroy the temple in Jerusalem. Now, this is, this is uh, important because God being with most of the people was associated with God living in that building. And people still make these kinds of unfortunate errors today, thinking this is the Lord's house. And I mean, if you've been to Building C, you know this ain't the Lord. Well, you, you know, it's just Building C. But it is, but it, you know, I mean, it's not in any more way than your house is or any other parking lot. Is it with, are you with me? I'm, I, I'm not trying to ruin. I'm just, is this, I'm just teaching you what is true. Kmart is the Lord's house. Well, well Walmart now, but anyway, it's 
wherever you are, this is important. It's an important way to change your thinking. And so when that temple was destroyed, I mean, they just came in and they just ripped the whole thing to the ground. People were rudderless. They, well, where is God then? His home. Where, where, does he know, where do we look? He doesn't have a home. We, we now believe that the Gospel of Matthew was written um, in a city, uh, I think it was about 300 miles north of Jerusalem, Antioch. And it was written specifically a couple years after that happened to respond to this. And it is no accident that the end of Matthew's gospel ends with this. I am with you, what? Always. I am with you. I am with you. It's the idea that God is with us. By the way, which gospel gives us the term Emmanuel, which means God with us? Matthew. From the beginning to the end, they call it a frame or an envelope if you're into theological uh, study, literature. There's a beginning and an end, and it's about God with us, and it ends with God what? With us. And everything in the middle is trying to tell you one thing and one thing only. Don't worry that the temple is gone. God is what? With you. What things in your life get you wondering, where is God? And maybe a better question is this. What if, what if you really knew down here, when I say no, you knew down here that God was with you? When the darkest days of your life come, but you knew, he's with me. God's with me. This is a game changer. It makes you a calm person. I won't even look. Who here has ever lost your cool? <laughs> Today. <laughs> free, free. It was free. Free confession. When, when we lose our cool, you know what essentially it boils down to? Listen, just think about what I'm saying. It essentially boils down to us not believing God is with us. I say, no, no, it, was, it had nothing to do with that. It was about this idiot that cut me off. I, I understand what you think it was about. But think about this. If you knew, God's with me. Wouldn't it change your blood pressure a little? It's got to. It's got to have some tangible effect on us to know that God is actually with me. And do you remember, speaking of Matthew, so then you start to see, you'll, once you notice the bookends, Emmanuel, God with us, I am with you, then you start to see laced throughout Matthew's portrait of Jesus is story after story of God being with us where they're in the, they're in the boat and the, and the storm comes up and they think they're going to drown and they're not calm. They're not calm. And Jesus what? Brings calm. Brings calm. 
Wouldn't it be great if our world was a lot more calm? Hmm? Wouldn't it? Maybe just calm down a little bit. I honestly think that's one of the things that God's presence with us all the time, everywhere, is supposed to have the, trans, the, the transition effect on us, is that we transition from a person that's panicked and stressed and controlling. How many controllers do we have out there? I got all day. I, I got to control this. I'm going to control this. I'm going to manage this. I'm going to... And now I can just take my hands off a little bit. And trust. Trust. Oh, it's hard to do. Is this hard to do? I was laughing the other day because I was loading the dishwasher. And uh, is anybody like me, like I always load it the same way? Does anybody have control issues just over the dishwasher itself? (laughs) I mean, just forget about other big things in life. I mean, we're pathetic. And I was remembering, and I'm pretty bad, but I was remembering... (laughs) I knew this guy, and he, he literally would not let anyone else load his dishwasher. So you're like, you're talking about me, and it's getting awkward. Because they, they didn't line everything up exactly the right way. Is anybody with me? Like, the control, the need, like, I must control this outcome. And what we want is we want to manage the outcome of everything. And God with us is this. Stop thinking about the outcome. And think about God's presence. He's with you. But I want to know what's going to happen. He's going to be with you. He's going to be with you. And as we approach the Easter season, this is so important. This, this is the big metaphor of life. This is the big metaphor of life. You suffer. You carry a cross. Things don't go the way you planned. They don't go the way you want. They don't don't work out. And God is what? With you. He's with you through that. And that's never the end of the story. There's resurrection. There's always more. There's always more. So today, I want to share with you um, your old view of God. It's okay to let it go. Some of you just need permission. You need permission from a pastor. Here it is. Some of you need permission from a Bible verse. I just put a bunch of them up there. And as we've taught and taught and taught and taught, there were old understandings of God in the Bible itself, which progressed. Are we with? They progressed, and, and they, they woke up, and they learned, and the prophets came along, and they said, no, that's not what God is like. And go back and look. The critiques of of, of the, the atheists today that are, that are drawing young people in. We're fighting these atheists, and we don't need to. We should just applaud them. Go, oh, thank you. You know, the prophets said the same things. They attacked the Scripture. I mean, I got, I got Sam Harris's book, Letter to a Christian Nation, Leading Atheists in America Today. I mean, the first five pages are the exact same things that the prophets said. They're throwing out and critiquing old ideas of God. But what, unfortunately, the church has done is we've attacked these atheists. And we're like, why? They're doing us a favor. Do I need to explain that more, or can we just go? 
They did us a favor. They critiqued all these old understandings of God. Did Jesus ever critique old understandings of God? Simple answer is yes. So these modern atheists are in line with Jesus and in line with the prophets. So we don't need to fret and worry and get all anxious. Again, same thing. We're trying to control it. What we can do, this is so huge. When Paul says, God isn't far, this was a game changer. And he said, in God, um, my paraphrase, because I think it helps the most, is like we're swimming in God. God is everywhere and with us all the time. And there were so many times in history where people were enlightened, like Psalm 139, and they wrote these things. But it's hard for people, just listen carefully, it's hard for people when they've been used to where that box is located. And that's where you go. But think about how freeing it is. If you could know that every single day, God is with you. I think it was Ignatius that said to his young band as he sent them out to the world, find God in all things. There's a good one. Find God in all things. Huh? Maybe that will be our dismissal today when I dismiss you. Get up and Go find God in everything. We need a bigger, and we need a better version of God for the next generation. God who's transcendent, right? And yet intimate, right? Above speaks of God's power, which is good because we need a powerful God. But we also need a humble God, which is all of what Jesus showed us. The nature of God. He said, ready? I'm with you always. I'm with you. Now, um, this week, when you go to work it's not going to feel the same as maybe it does when you're at a quiet place and you're, or you're at church and you're thinking. Or you're, but you know, this is, this is what's really important. Please listen. I think spiritual maturity is when we can sense God in the ordinary, the mundane, and even the difficult. I mean, you know, when you're up here and Dale's like, you know, singing and leading and, you know, it's just like, oh, yes, yes. I mean, that's rookie stuff. Are you with me? When you have someone as talented as these musicians that come here and they sing these beautiful songs and just rips your heart wide open and you sense God's presence, good, good. That's like baby steps. I mean, even Charlie's over there going. All right? But mature, this is, this is huge. Maturity has got to be 
when we can sense God's presence, you know, in the hospital, in a hallway, shoveling snow, don't you think? God is with us. Now, next week, um, I'm, I'm I'm literally going to blow it wide open. Because you know this, and when I say it, you're going you're gonna to nod your head, but I don't think we realize it. You would answer it correctly on a test if I gave you a test, and it said, is God in us? And you'd say, well, well, yes, he's in us. But I don't think we've marinated this one. So God's with us. Last week, God's for us. God's with us. And next week, God is what? In us. Man, when this one starts to come home, it's a game changer. I learned this when I was early starting to learn teaching. By the way, I was, we were driving here today, and on the radio they, had, uh, they were given this, the history of, you remember the DeBarge family? Huh? Me and Matt, that's it? The DeBarge? No one knows DeBarge? Oh, there we go. Okay, all right, all right. So anyway, um, I met Chico DeBarge. No? Oh, look it up. <laughs> anyway, they're Michigan. They're, they're Michigan. They're from the 80s, right? That's okay. No, I don't have time. Uh, anyway, I met one of these guys when I was, when I, when I was doing work in prisons. And, and sadly, they had some, they had some trouble. But um, he played a song for me, and then he introduced himself as one of the DeBarge brothers. And... Um, and they, and they were telling him the story that they grew up um, in a bedroom, ready? With 10 kids, one bedroom. Huh? Don't you have troubles? Don't you have sorrows? And they would put five on a bed, like, and they lay them counterclock, like, you know, perpendicular. And uh, their mom said that they, could, they couldn't talk, but they could sing after the lights went out. And that's how they learned how to sing. Um, and when I, when I met, met one of these guys, um, he played this song that he wrote while he was in prison. And I was giving the talk, you know, when I was up here. And then he came up afterwards and he introduced himself to me. And I'm like, wow, because it was like an amazing song. He had this amazing voice. And then he, you know, told me who he was. See, God has to be with people when they're in prison. And when you start to think about it, then you realize there's no place that God isn't. Nowhere. And when that settles on you, when I say settles on you, it resonates here, it will change you. And the idea is not for me to tell you so, oh, my pastor told me I can answer this question better than you. It's not, that, that's not the point. The point is that it changes you because if you believe God's with you, you calm down. Huh? Who was freaking out in the garden? Jesus? Jesus praised. Peter's the one with the sword, right? Who's freaking out in the boat? Jesus, the disciple, he's, he's sleeping. Uh, who'd like to sleep better? Huh? This would calm you down. God is with us. 
Vicky was telling me she learned something. She's doing some research for the ladies' retreat they're going to do this spring. And, and it was on um, th- this very exercise, like learning to find God in all things. They, today, in today's modern language, they call it mindfulness. But they said, here's an exercise you can do. If you're taking your dog for a walk and they stop to look at something, look with them. Now, that's a crazy... Like, I grew up in Flint. I mean, just, yeah, come on, get... Is anybody with me? This is not how I was raised. Let's get it together. We got to make progress. We got to get around the block. Like we're walking the dog like we're trying to make a record or something. And they just stop and they just, they just enjoy things. So they said, when your dog stops, you stop too. And if they look at the simplest thing or they smell, just stop and smell too. say, Chris, that's not it. This is, this is big. This is big. Don't, honestly, see, I didn't use any words either. I just, honestly, isn't your life at times smelly? See, I stayed away from all things, words. It's just true. He said, but God's not in my mess Yes, he is. That, we're going to read that whole story. The, we're going to read it. It's Easter. We're gonna, he's with you. God was in Christ, suffering. And so for years and years and years, we talk about the all-powerful, almighty God, but we rarely talk about all-suffering God. I dare say most of you have never led a prayer with our all-suffering God. But it's right there in front of us. I could use other words. I could say smelly, but you'd, you'd be offended if I said it. But it's true. It's true. The story and the stable, the whole story. It's just trying to reiterate this humility of God, the humanity of God, the the dwelling among us of God, Emmanuel with us. So I I, I don't know, I'm trying to, in a hundred different ways, say the exact same thing. When you leave here, he's with you. And wherever you go this week, however tense it gets, however difficult it gets, he's with you. Never, ever forget that. Let's pray.